0: Well, welcome. It is great to have you with us for our brand new series, Doors. We're looking at small decisions that change your world. And who doesn't want that sense that I was made for this, that you're walking in your purpose, you're walking in a sense of significance, and whatever fires you've been through, whatever battles you've been through, it's prepared you for what's facing you tomorrow. So today we're going to do an extended interview. We've been trying to schedule this for two years with COVID, but Boss Rooten is here today with us, three-time MMA champion of the world, and we're going to talk about his journey, what he's done, where he's been, and before he comes on stage, let me give you a little taste of his background, what he's done, and then we'll give him a warm welcome.
1: Let's watch. Boss Rooten is a Dutch-American mixed martial artist and actor. Bullied as a child, he overcame severe asthma and eczema to become a world-class athlete by age 20. He reached the pinnacle of combat sports in 1999 when he was crowned UFC World Heavyweight Champion. Boss holds two black belts in Taekwondo and two forms of karate. His kickboxing and MMA accomplishments earned him induction in the UFC Hall of Fame in 2015. After retiring from fighting in 99, Boss turned his attention to motivational speaking and acting, appearing alongside comedian Kevin James in the sitcom The King of Queens and feature films Paul Blart Malkoff, Zookeeper, and Here Comes the Boom. In 2013, his friendship with James, among others, led Boss to a newfound commitment to the Christian faith, which has transformed his mindset, achievements, and approach to life.
0: Wow, I'm on. Yes, it's great to have you with us today. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. So, uh, start off, tell us a little bit about, you're known for a lot of things, but one thing you're probably most known for is uh, championship MMA. Some people probably have heard of that, some people haven't. What are your distinctives, what makes MMA unique, and why did you choose that?
2: Uh, mixed martial arts, well the name says it, it's a mix of four martial arts. Uh, I always like to say, because it makes it more uh, acceptable to people, it's for Olympic sports. Take the kicks from taekwondo, the punches from boxing, wrestling from wrestling, and then the submissions from judo, like arm bars and leg locks, and they put it all do- together, <coughs> and that's what they call mixed martial arts. Of course, we have a different rule set. Yeah, It's very important because, yes, it is kind of violent when you look at it, but it's not as violent as, for instance, boxing. Boxing hmm. more, people have CTE than in mixed martial arts, because in mixed martial arts, there's a lot of ways to win, you can win by kicks to the legs, you can win by a submission, you see? So you spare the hat more. And mm-hmm. also in training, for instance, if you're boxing, every day you're sparring, every time you get a head punishment in mixed martial arts, you don't. One day you grapple, one day you wrestle, you see mm. what I mean?
0: So it's a little sure. bit more spread out. And I lost two of those in your accent, so it was, uh, <laughs> sorry, so you said mar- martial arts was a combination of judo with the submission holds, uh, taekwondo with the kicks, Yep. and what were the middle two? Boxing and wrestling. Boxing and wrestling. Okay, yep. those are two
2: I missed. Right. And of course, we allow knees to the to the to the person as well everywhere, and an elbow. You don't have those in taekwondo. Okay. But sure. when I mention it like that, it looks oh for Olympic sports. It's a much better sport. <laughs> <laughs> so, i Gotcha. Yeah. Now, why did you choose MMA? <clears throat> it's the uh, ultimate proving ground. You know, everybody wants to know who's the badass in the world, and yeah. we always thought it was a boxer. But that's a boxer. That's not a fighter. Huh. Yeah, well, boxer fights and mixed martial arts. Well, I'm not going to box with Mike Tyson, I can tell you that. Right. I will try to take him down right away, put him on his back. <laughs> gotcha. And then it's very hard to box if you're laying on your back, you see. So that was kind of the thing, you know. I just wanted to see how far I could make it.
0: Yeah, so you're like a smart boxer.
2: I tried to be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I, I always slipped the punches. I never understood people who like to get hit. I think sure. I don't like to get hit. I don't mind. Right. But if you can afford it, it yeah. why wouldn't you avoid it? So what age were you when you won MMA championship? Well, I started late in life. I started at 28, uh, because that's when it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, September 21st was my first fight in Japan. And almost two years later, September 1st, 1995, is where I became the
0: champion. Okay. So you're hitting kind of BHAG, big, carry, audacious goals, bucket list stuff at age 30? You've, you've kind of accomplished those goals, 32? N- no, Yeah. You know, I, I always
2: thought there's more goals in life, there's more goals in life. I never fixed on one thing. I did that for the sport, but I knew after the sport I wanted to do something else again. Yeah. So, and I also see, a title is great, but I know there's fighters out there that I, 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 I'm almost scared to fight. Like, they're really good, but they will never be a champion. Mm. Somehow they miss something, and at certain times they don't perform, they yeah. underperform. So I always, you know, I go, belts is not that important, you know. It's important, a, a, a world champion who says, oh, I'm going to fight him. Oh, man, no, 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 okay. <laughs> you see, that's yeah. what I like. But that person we're talking about, the people kind of don't know.
0: Yeah, but you really hit a lot of what would be um, bucket lists for other people at an early yeah. age, right? I mean, you kind of checked off lists of people, things some people never accomplish yeah. at a very young age.
2: Yeah, so it, it, that happens, and, it's, uh, and you feel really good, and, but that's the way you deal with it.
0: Sure. And most of mm-hmm. the time, that can lead to bad things if it's suddenly been taken away from you. And you told me, you're going to tell me a story um, of how you went 22, games undefe- 22 fights undefeated? Yeah, at the end of my career. Yeah, so how did you do that? What's the secret of that? <coughs> Training
2: really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this I always tell for people because then you have a little bit of an idea. I was a puncher and a kicker going in. I didn't understand wrestling. I didn't understand the submission game. Yeah. And, and so I won my first two fights by knockout, lost the third one by submission.
0: Then
2: you I got lost. knocked out by submission? No, no, no. Stopped with a toe hold. Toe hold I okay. always look at people toe hold. Oh, holding your toe. I say, I saw, buddy, uh, I saw somebody break a shin bone with that move. Wow. So it's a very gnarly yeah. move. Then I won a fight again by knockout. Then I lost again by submission. And then I won, believe, three more fights. And then I lost again by submission. Mm. And that was the moment I told myself, okay, it's either I'm going to learn that game mm. or I'm going to quit because otherwise I might. Become a champion one time, but then I lose the title because of a submission. Gotcha. And that's when I start becoming possessed, so to say, about the submission game. And uh, what do you know? You know, once I fell in love with it, uh, well, you do it a lot. And once you do it a lot, you get good at it. And sure. I, I never lost a fight again. I'm actually, after my last fight, I lost my submission. I won my next eight fights by way of submission. Wow. People were like, what the heck is going on suddenly? And then, like I said, I never lost a fight anymore. Just because I made that conscious decision... Just start focusing on that.
0: And I heard the way you trained yourself in submission holds uh, showed up in your kitchen. It showed up in your dreams. Tell, <laughs> yeah. tell me, like when you said, "Hey, I got to get good at this kind of third aspect of of, uh, of MMA." Tell me how that played into your kitchen, played into your marriage, played into your dreams. Yeah, my poor wife. Uh, <laughs> uh, she knew what she married.
2: <laughs> um, I would. I was so obsessed with it. The whole house was with little post-its and combinations, and I, I never understood. The possibilities, it's, it's an art that you will never master. There's mm. always, every day you go like, wow, I never knew this. You, something new pops up. So once I figured that out, I became obsessed with it. And, uh, and that led to, yeah, this happened five, six times, and I would wake up my wife in the middle of the night because I would dream a submission, <laughs> then I would put her in that submission, and i say, it's hurting your shoulder, right? Yeah, yeah, it's hurting my shoulder. i go, okay, okay, write it down. <laughs> and then the next day, I would go to the gym, and then I would try it out on my friends. But in the kitchen also. She walks around to the kitchen. Hey, honey, can you lean over for a moment? <laughs> she leans over. I slap on a choke. I say, is your throat hurting or are you getting dizzy? She goes, I'm getting dizzy. I say, see, it's a blood choke. <laughs> 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 That's a good yeah. wife. That's, That's a good, a wife, really right good there. wife. Yeah, there. No. She actually predicted a lot. <laughs> when I met my wife in 92, there was no fighting whatsoever. Yeah. And she looked at me. She had a blank stare one day. And she said, you're going to be a famous fighter in Japan. And I go, why would you say that? Because I, at that top, uh, time, I was a tie box that I'd said that I was never going to fight anymore. But I said in Holland. And that's what she said. She said, I said, but I'm, I'm not going to fight anymore. She said, yeah, but you said Holland. You're going to go to Japan. Wow. And then a year later, they're inviting me to a tryout in Amsterdam. And I never picked up the phone and the answering machine was booked. Somehow I picked it up during the day. Hmm. And he said, boss, jump in the car right now. There's some scouts from Japan. You've got to come over because they're looking for talent. And I got into a scuffle for one of the champions from that place. He tried to knock me out, you know, they were filming, I go, dude, tone down, you know, they just want to see technique, but he turned it up. I go, hey, I'm okay with that, but <laughs> yeah, you turned it's it going to be not one-way traffic, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do it back. And that resulted in him getting knocked out with a high kick, which looked very nice because the scouts right away said we want him. Wow. And boom, Gosh. suddenly I'm fighting in Japan. And then when we, uh, two years into that, she had that look again. And I go, now what? She says, we're going to go to America, you're going to have a TV show. Huh. I had a show on TV for nine years here. It was the wildest thing. She just predicted wow. everything, Yep.
0: Huh. So that takes like 1997-ish then. You're kind of making a shift from, uh, you know, championship fighter to TV movies, and you befriend uh, Kevin James. Yes. So many of us know Kevin James from Mall Cop, Mall Cop to uh, Here Comes the Boom, King of Queens. So two of you become buddies, and kind of how does that play out in kind of this next stage of your career?
2: Uh, Kevin was always this great guy. I started doing movies. I did this... Uh an, a, a lead movie, but I went straight to video, uh, The Eliminator, and they did a few more of those movies. And then one time I did a short comedy called Kingdom of Ultimate Power. And if you ever have a chance, that's, it's a fun little comedy. And when Here Comes the Boom came, that was a big movie. And the Sony Studios, because Kevin said he wanted to use me, but it was a supporting actor part, it was a big part. So Sony said no, because he's, he's a fighter, he's not an actor but then he showed him that short comedy which won first prize at the New York Film Festival. Oh. Uh, New York, not the New York Film Festival. Uh-huh. And he um, and said, okay, we're doing it. And that uh, and, and was actually cool. There was a w- very cool moment in that, that there was one person from the Sony Studios. He was still not happy with it because he still thought I couldn't do it. And the first scene that I shot was the singing scene. You know to do the Journey song? And uh, after that scene, I'm in my trailer, and I get a knock on the door, and this guy says, "Can, can I come in? I go, sure. He goes, dude, I want to apologize. You know, I thought you
0: didn't have it, but, man, that was phenomenal. So that was a really cool moment for me. Well, I went and rewatched a scene this week just to kind of remind myself some of the, my favorite moments. And that scene where you're training uh, Kevin James and here comes the boom to be a, a wrestler because he can raise money for the sc- school. <laughs> and after you beat him up, then you immediately change into leotards and you jump onto a bike and you lead a kind of jazzercise, uh, class with disco lights going was hilarious. So. It makes
2: no sense at all, right? I'm di- teaching disco street fighting.
1: <laughs> disco street <laughs> so fighting. That was right? hilarious. So, Any
0: yeah. favorite moments kind of onset or offset with, uh, your time on TV or, or movies?
2: The Fonz, I mean, Henry Winkler, uh, Happy Days. I mean, that was shown in Holland, like, say, 5 p.m., there wouldn't be a soul on the street. Everybody yeah. was watching the Fonz, so then suddenly when I found out I'm going to work with him, saw Salma Hayek, you know, Salma Hayek, oh, she's married to a billionaire, she's the, she's the coolest chick ever, wow. you know, and it's the same with Henry Winkler, and, and Henry, I... Uh, I took it to me because he would steal my... I had an anti-gravity chair. It sounds really expensive, $45, you know. But they, you lay and you can nice and relax. But every time when I would get it, Henry Winkler was in it. I can't send the phones out, <laughs> out of the chair. Kick the phones <laughs> so, out of your chair. So I had these little Velcro things that would And I would see how far I could push him every time. So if he would stare someone, I would be behind his ear. I would go, So in the beginning, they don't notice. But then after one minute, he would go, shut up! (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was my my drive to uh, upset Henry because you you can't upset this guy. Gotcha. That's how nice he is.
0: Oh, that's fun. So challenges, why part of kind of what um, life prepared you, the opening song is about how life and fire prepares us. What are some of the challenges you had growing up I understand you were bullied as a kid. You had a skin problem, an asthma problem. What were some of the the, the ways that played out in your life that prepared you to be a fighter? Yeah, you said it already. It was the bullying. You know,
2: I had a horrible skin disease. I was the leper in school. That's what they literally called me. You know, hey, leper, watch out. Your fingers don't fall off your ear. I had it on my face, too, and in my hands. Uh, I had also severe asthma. So I was a very skinny kid. Uh, a lot of inhalers, a lot of medication. 45 pills a day, I remember. 15, 15, and 15, three times a day. That actually, I think... Killed my career at the end because I got tetanitis. Mm. I took a lot of cortisones, and at that time they didn't know the long term effect of it. Oh, I, and I think that's one of the effects. But uh, yeah, you get bullied on a daily basis, you uh, you become an angry person, you know. And I was always by myself in the forest, I was climbing trees three hours a day. That was my thing. Spider Man, that was my hero because he also got bullied, you know. So, yeah, oh yeah. That connection. And, um, you know that I went on a vacation with my family to France and my brother and I, we sneaked into a movie which was not... I was 12 and he was like 14 and it was 17 years old. It was the movie uh, Enter the Dragon from Bruce Lee. Okay. And we sneaked in, we found a way in, so we saw that movie and I go, that's it? I mean, <laughs> if I become like that guy, he's a little guy too and he's mm. beating everybody up. Mm. I want to be like that. And then I asked my parents, and it took me two years to convince them because they thought martial arts is violence. And... Um, after finally, they said yes. And then I, had a, I was very lucky. I had a beautiful, two beautiful ring, uh, ring girls, two beautiful neighbors. And uh, they were dating the toughest guy. Mm-hmm. And his name was Xavier. And he was training with the adults. He was training Taekwondo at the time. And he took me under his wing. So I was the only 14-year-old kid with the adults. Wow. And from that moment on, it went just really fast, like in months. I start beating some of these adults. And uh, They were talking about me in the dressing room. They go, well, did you see Basra? He knocked out Jack with a kick to the body and everybody's laughing. So i uh, man, that kid is really good. And once mm. you start hearing that, you know, you get more confident. And that led to the fight with my biggest bully in my school, Shaki was his name, Shaki Van Herrick. Bad family, uh, brother was in prison for robbery. It was just bad people. And uh, hey, leper! he was on his bike with like seven of his buddies. And mm. this time I shouted something back. And I heard them laugh, and I looked back, and sure enough, they made a U-turn. They started to chase me, and I put my bike on the stand, on the sidewalk, and I go, "This is it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm mm. not going to run." And uh, they just surrounded me with their bikes, and then Shaky came to the center, of course, and they started bumping his chest into my chest and challenged me that I had to hit him, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> you gave what he asked for. It's very nice of you. I uh,
1: yeah.
2: That's true. And uh, one punch, one mm. punch, he was out cold problem was his nose was flat on his face so he broke his nose. Oh,
1: wow.
0: So
2: normally in Holland, nothing will happen, but since he had to go to the hospital, the police showed up hmm. and confirming that martial arts is bad, and my mom and dad took me off. Now, I have to say this though, my mom and dad never knew that I was bullied, because hmm. my mother had so much work with me, by my eczema we had whole family set in old bed sheets. She would rip it up to bandages. I need to put creams on there every night. Mummify me—that's what we call it. And in the middle of the night, it would itch so bad. Had to scratch it off. She had to redo it again. So she had a lot of work with me. And I thought, if I'm going to tell her, that I'm mm. it on top. I know mm. my mom. She's going to come to school. Mm. You know, don't touch her little uh, chicken. <laughs> and uh, so, so I never said it. I'm pretty sure if they would have known, they would have said, yeah. uh, "Stay on it."
0: Yeah. So you overcome all these uh, kind of challenges in your life. You now got, you know, kind of check the box on, on MMA. You've, you've got some TV movie stuff under your belt now. And so you're, you're, at, uh, you're on the set of Mall Cop 2. You've been friends with Kevin James since 97. Yeah. And turns out uh, he kind of strikes up a conversation and says, how about some cigars, beer, and talk about how the world began.
2: That's it. You know, that was the only thing he said. I had no clue. And uh, he set me up there. <laughs> So he said, yeah, we're on a break. We have a cabana. We're at the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas. I mean, home of the devil, right? I mean, that's where all everything bad goes. And we're shooting the movie there. And we're at the pool. Of course, it's closed off for a public. And we can take a break. So people are eating. We smoke. You want to smoke a cigar and listen to Leo. Leo came in. Sure. Now, before I start this, I should say that I, I lost a lot of memories from when I was a child. Uh... Lots, because of the medication as well, but you know, negative stuff you pull lock out. And of course, p- positive stuff you keep. But there was one memory it was very vivid. I was looking outside in the classroom. I can tell this day. I can tell what, where I was sitting exactly. I you know everything because it was ingrained in my head. And I was staring at the tree. And I know that the teacher tried to get a hold of me because he's calling me. Uh, but I'm so mesmerized. And the kids are laughing. And suddenly he says, what? Are they I go, what? He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking at that tree. He says, what about that tree? I said, where does it come from? He says, well, they planted there, idiot. And I (laughs) go, that's not what I'm saying. I say, if you go to the tree before, the tree before, you go all the way back. Where do trees come from? And he just thought that was, of course, that was a crazy thing to say. So many years later, Leo comes on the stage. He was sitting in the cabana, lighting up a cigar, drinking Coke. And the first thing he says, the leaf fell from the tree. He says, that leaf just reached its end destination. Let's backtrack that leaf, where it comes from and he goes to the branch, and he goes to the tree before, and he goes to the tree before, the tree. and I'm sitting there, and I go, what do I know this story from, mm. you know? So when Leo started doing that, the backtracking, 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 and then suddenly getting to a very solid proof of the existence of God, that was it. I mean, mm. he wheeled me in right away. Now I know there was something going on. What you also have to understand is that I had this whole crazy ghost experience in my house. Mm-hmm. I've been attacked by a spirit. Uh, I was a heavy drinker at the time, I think, it was a woman who, who, who passed away there. She was really like the kids. Kids knew exactly what she looked like. So they couldn't describe her. And she was roaming through the house the whole time. It was the wildest thing. And uh, the attacks were very physical. It was in the middle of the night. Something would wake me up, and I'm down, and, whoop, and then my body would get pushed down. And I'm looking at him. I don't see anything. And, and, it was, and it's so much power that it almost stopped you from breathing. I had to get mentally very aggressive to get out of there. And I would wake up the family. But I would scream, I go, whoa, and my wife again? I go, yeah, again. And I would challenge it. I said, do that again. You know, mm. not like wait till I'm in a deep sleep. Try it when I just fall asleep. <laughs> I would like to see what happens. Because I got fed up by it. One day I went to the restroom. I almost sit down so I don't have to turn the light on. And I see my wife walking by. I figure she's going to get a drink the, in the kitchen. And uh, when I walk in bed, my wife is in bed. So I'm grabbing the gun. I'm going through the whole house. There's nobody in the house. And then the biggest one came uh, one day. We came home with the family around 9.30 at night. And I opened the door and I go, wait. And my wife, what? I said, somebody's in the house. I don't mm. know. I felt that something was wrong. And uh, I say, here, I dial on one, one." I say, you hold it. If you hear something, just dial. Don't come in. I know where everything is. So Don't worry about me. And I walked in the place. And we had an... Uh, Open kitchen that led to the kitchen in the back, and there was a wall dividing it. And I'm walking on this side of the hall. This was open also, but there's a wall in the middle. And this was a dining room area. In the dining room area, there's a doorpost with a very thick curtain hanging there, and um, instead of a door. And I thought that person would be here, so I start moving here, making a lot of noise, hoping he would take this, and then sure. make a U-turn and get him. So I come around. Suddenly, I start sprinting, come around the corner, and I see the curtain whoop flying up. So I keep sprinting because somebody just ran through the thing, True. and there was nobody in the house. I go, okay, that was weird. And it's really weird if you think about it now, because you, you would, if somebody else would tell me, so you're not freaking out, that's the thing. It's almost like you know it's mm. there. I didn't freak out at all. I go, wow, this curtain just flew up against the ceiling yeah. by itself, and I go, like it's, but not scared at all. Then we moved from that house, Oh, by the way, I did an exorcism myself
0: <laughs> in that house. So you're not a person of faith at this point. Not at all. You have no interest in religion. You just sense, you have this weird ghost story experience, and you like, maybe there's something more than just what we can sense with our five senses. That's it. Because of whatever this weird thing is that's happening to you.
2: Exactly. And, and, and uh, wh- wh- how would I know that at 3 a.m. is the demonic activity at its peak? It's the opposite time of Jesus passing away at 3 p.m. Mm, mm. How would I know that? Yeah. Why am I in middle of the clock, uh, middle of the night at 3 a.m. standing right, sure. there at that place where the curtain floor? Because it was always cold there and mm. it was like a weird smell sometimes. Yeah. And I just challenged it for 45 minutes. I say, I bring it down to my level, of course, because if I can't hit you, there's nothing I can do. But Not I would sure. love to anything that I can do something back. That she was the strongest there. Because I just got really fed up at it. Yeah. Somehow it never happened anymore. We go to the next house. We sleep there the first night. My, my daughter's sleeping upstairs. And when they come down, I asked her, uh, hey, how was everybody's first night? And she goes, mm-hmm. that was nice. I had a visit from two boys, though. I said, oh, sure, whoa, whoa, what? I said, you mean spirits? She goes, yes. I you're not freaking out. She says, no, no, they were nice. The one kept playing on the bat and he kept pushing and he wanted to play and I said, no, please leave me sleep and then they left. I go, honey, how, how old? And she goes, ah, 16, 17. And I look at my wife, I go down to the computer, did ever something happen in my house. And in December 2001, uh, a kid, uh, four kids in a car, uh, three boys and one girl, they flew out of control. We have a road next to, uh, uh, next to my house. They drove through our wall so I'm walking outside, I see where they repaired the wall. Two kids died, two boys, hmm. 16, 17 years old. So that was like, okay. So then when Leo finished his story about, and then, well, we're a design. Now I realized we're here for a purpose. All that together, that immediately clicked.
0: So you I felt like, falling. God puts this question as a kid, where do trees come from? Yeah. You got, hey, I'm struggling with alcoholism, and I'm also... Um, have this weird spiritual experience that I can't explain, all sitting in the background. Kevin James brings up, uh, let's have cigars and talk about how the world's made. And now all these questions are swirling, and you're suddenly thinking about whether or not God exists for the first time in a real tangible, personal way.
2: That's it. That was yeah. it. And, and I know that if Kevin would have said, hey, he's going to talk about God, I go, ah, good, I'm up to my room. Going to <laughs> you see, so he yeah. knew.
0: He knew not to mention
2: that. He yeah. said, "You know, hey, he's going to talk about how the world got started." And I go, "Well, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. i 'd love to hear it." So yeah. So, uh, in,
0: in that argument that he discussed that day, the idea of where's a tree comes from a nut, which comes from a tree, comes from a, so that's what philosoph- uh, philosophers called the cosmological argument, which is that there has to be an unmoved mover. Yep. So everything's been moved. There had to be an unmoved mover. Are you sure, there's a big bang. What was the big banger? Yep. Um, it's like a series of dominoes, cause effect, chicken egg. Was there an unlaid egg or an unhatched chicken? So it's one of the arguments for God. How about the that he's chicken, kind of, by the way? Chicken. The chicken was first. The chicken was he created first. a chicken. He didn't That's create right. an egg. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, even when you think about you know the original creation, you know however God did it, where did the matter come from? Where did inertia come from? Where did gravity come from? So all those things are kind of what this guy's discussing using this tree metaphor. Yeah. And then you start thinking about um, irreducible complexity, which is kind of uh, design, which is called the teleological argument. Um, And you thought about that in the context of what would happen if you landed on Mars. Tell me about kind of how that starts percolating with you. Yeah, so I did a show for Jason Ellis. He's an XM radio host. And he's sitting
2: in his office, and I'm waiting outside to be interviewed by him. And somebody else is talking about that there's a a, a big nightclub next to a church, and all these people, they go outside, and they pee against the church, and the corrosion is damaging the church. (laughs) So I'm going like, oh, that's my way in when I'm there. You know, I always (laughs) try to stare a little bit towards the Lord. So I come in walking, and I go, man, that I can't do that. Being against the church—that—that's you, you can't do that. And he go, what? You're religious? I go, what? You're not? And he looks at me. I go, why would you be religious? I said, because you really think there's nothing? It, it's crazy. You say, okay, convince me. I said, okay, for the sake of the argument, let's say we just landed on Mars, and these astronauts are walking on Mars, and suddenly someone boots uh, his boot bumps into something, and he goes in the sand, and he picks out a clothespin. What we know as a clothespin, for the sake of this argument, imagine they don't know what a clothespin is, right? We landed on Mars, but we don't know what a clothespin is, whatever. Yeah. But would you think they go like, hey, this is a funny thing. Look at this. It opens on the other side. Oh, well, you get... Like, look, it's on my finger now. This is funny. Hey, man, you maybe you can dry close with that. That's yeah. a good mm-hmm. thing to. So they start talking about it. Do you think that these people are going to say... You know what, how this came together? Over millions of years, or billions of years, mm-hmm. there were two trees, they got by the storm, they got shaped, boop, 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 and somehow two s- perfect symmetrical identical pieces of wood they fell in the sand, and then a hot ball, boil of uh, iron came, and it started spinning around, and suddenly became a coil, and it rolled up somehow, and the foam took- Somehow, over billions of years, yeah. it clicked it in the thing, and now we have that. And then Jason Ellis goes, he says, no, somebody put it there. I said, that's three pieces. Every single piece in that thing needs to work. That's irreducible complexity, because otherwise it won't work. I said, let's talk about the human eye. It's got two million parts. You know, 10,000 or so, they have to work, because otherwise your eye is off. Let's talk about our connections in our brain. A hundred trillion, more than we have stars. Mm A hundred trillion. We don't even talk about DNA. But you're saying that three parts is a design, and we're not. Hmm. And he goes, yeah. Yeah. When you explain it like that. So I kind of started
0: make him think there's something more. But that was years later. This was going on inside your head at this point. Listen to this guy, right? You're getting Uh, a sense of, well, maybe there's a God. Maybe he created me. Maybe uh, he's the uncaused cause. He's the one that's accountable. He's the source of right and wrong. Yeah. And you said kind of in your personal life, you felt like it was almost like the perfect time, perfect moment, because you were spiritually ready. You've accomplished all these goals. What else is there? And you're battling alcoholism. How, are, how do you feel like, looking back on it, God prepared you through the things you're struggling with your alcoholism for that moment as well? Well, yeah, he,
2: everything. You just become uh, accountable. It's uh, The verses first I read, you know, 2 Peter 2.19, you know, talking about whatever overcomes a man to that he is enslaved. And so you think they have freedom, but they're all the, the, the slaves to corruption. That's what the line is. And then to whatever overcomes a man to that he is enslaved. Well, in my case, that was alcohol. Mm -hmm. I don't like to be in control of anything and anybody, you know. And if you look at it like that, you go like, yeah, I am a slave to alcohol. Mm. Because it tells me, drink me, and I'm actually doing it. Okay, Mm. maybe I got to stop that. Then Matthew, Matthew 7, 3, 4, or 4 and 5, when he talks about, um, you know, why do you try to remove the splint from your brother's eye? Why you have a wooden beam or a lock in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, remove the wooden beam from your own <laughs> eyes so you can see clearly, and then yeah. you can remove the speck from the eye. And, and I was, was doing that. If somebody had a problem with alcohol, and I was an alcoholic, I would say, just tomorrow, just decide not to drink anymore. You know, like, <laughs> dude, look who's talking. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, so, and I, I but that's me. I was right away, that's me, mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And that really set me on the path. And then, of course, Matthew 7, 14, that's what. that I, I literally have on my phone. It goes off a bunch of times. A day just to remind me, you know, the gate is narrow, but the way is hard. That mm. leads to mm. life, mm. and those who find it are few. And I go, few. Mm. So from a three? If you really think about that, you yeah. go. We got a lot of work to do. Sure. You know, to go straight up there. You know, I think yeah. Thankfully, we have purgatory there, right? Right. But otherwise, I mean, there's no way we can make it. That's how hard it is. But you know, you can try and you can strive, and that's what I'm enjoying right now.
0: So now you're starting to think about God. You're starting to think about how God might help you with your alcoholism and that you don't want to be enslaved to anything. You've been a boxer your whole life beating things back and you realize something's actually able to beat you up, which is alcoholism. Um, What were the benefits you were looking for? Like, you know, you didn't want to be religious, right? You yeah. didn't, but so what is it, you said, I want some of what they, those people have or that person have or what Kevin James said. So Kevin James is a practicing Catholic. His, his faith is very, you know, real to him. What was it in him or in other people that you said, I want, I don't even know if I believe it all, but I want what I see in that. What was the benefits?
2: Well, there's always that hole that I talk about. There's always something to do with fulfilling. I was fulfilling with alcohol, but why is it there? Why can't I fix this? And why is uh, suicide rates on the millionaires is some of the highest numbers? Why is that? They can buy anything they want. Shouldn't they be happy? And I know a lot of famous people and and, and with power and and money. But uh, most of them are really not happy. Mm. And Kevin is the opposite. He's always up. He's always that. Sure, he has talents, you know. I'm I'm sure he has to. I mean, we all have. But he's the guy, if I look at all the other comedians there, that's all bipolar, you know, they're happy, crying, happy. It's like crashing up and down, and they, they have no their life is not under control. And what do we all do? Everybody's drinking, partying, doing crazy stuff, you know. It's, and I'm just looking at him. He's so straight, always, mm. you know. And I go, so I want that, mm. you know. So it was really easy for me once I realized, oh, that was what he was following. Mm. I go, well, that's what I want. Mm. You know, and my friends also, they said, hey, man, you toned down, you get so much worse. The first thing they ma- uh, measure, noticed was, uh, I don't hear you do profanity anymore. You know, I, I tried to make, I would cut out everything. Mm-hmm. Every bad thoughts. I, I always do this. You see, I have a rubber band here. This is how I, this is how <laughs> you stop swearing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because if the first time doesn't hurt, do it three times in a row. It, it, I'm a fighter, and it hurts. <laughs> so... <laughs> And, uh, and then I start it to the next level, you know. I go like, oh, well, I, that was profanity, 90% less than a week, you know. Mm. And now, very rare, maybe if I caught a movie or something, where yeah. it happens in that bomb, I might drop it by accident, you know. And then I still say, I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, then I go, wait a minute, if it works with this, it should work with everything, All right. So uh, now, for instance, if I see a guy on the street, he's obnoxious, he's pushing people around very loud, you know, I just go, rub the bat home. And then, well, sometimes it's not over, and the guy might miss a front tooth from a kick in the face, but then right after I do that, I'll pull the rubber band again, and I'm back on track.
0: (laughs) No, but it happens with everything. Well, let me back up to the motivation for that, though. So, so a lot of people might say, okay, well, I kind of believe maybe there's a God, maybe he made stuff. How do you get from God to Jesus and then how do you get from Jesus to I want to do things that are pleasing to Jesus, and now you've got stuff that, you know, are regular habits that, you know, you suddenly want to make changes in, in your marriage, in your life. So, how do you get from God to Jesus, and then what? Did, how did that motivate you to want to change?
2: Uh, God to Jesus wasn't easy for me, because the, the pretty much the reason why God did it, right? It was the Word, the Word made flesh, and He did that, so now we can identify with the person, and He can show us everything. So, God, we don't really know what He looks like, you mm-hmm. know, he, he is. Yeah. So, uh, so for me, people say, "Oh, I go to God." I go. I rather go to Jesus because he's right there. You know mm. who he is, and everybody talked about him. So that wasn't easy thing for me to do. Uh, and then just do what he says. Mm. Just do what he says. That's why I'm so upset with a lot of people. You know, and still a lot of people in the faith as well. You know, it's uh, they
0: don't do what he says. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they go to church one time a week, and then the rest of yeah. the just be
0: loose. But having not been religious, did you start reading some of Jesus and go, man, I like what he has and yep. I like what he's saying? I mean, oh, yeah, How did course. you get kind of exposed to, to Jesus' teaching or Jesus' life in which way that was attractive? Because a lot of people are like, hear about Christians, they're hypocrites, they're not consistent. And yep. like You know, just throw the whole thing out. What made you interested in Jesus or even find out about him to go from your tree and your, your clothespin to Jesus Christ? It's,
2: it was those verses that I was talking about. They first started it. And then,
0: you, of course, you ask, hey, what book should I read? And then I read the
2: book of Matthew. And Matthew, there was a book where there's one part of the gospel and a complete explanation below it. It's just a book about the Gospel of Matthew. And when you start reading that and the explanations and how, how far this goes back, and it's it's all there. Every answer yeah. is right there. Yeah. And I start getting more hungry for it, and more and more, and then I start doing the prayers. I'm a Catholic, so we do our different prayers, and devotion mm-hmm. to Mary, devotion to Joseph, and the rosary. I started doing that. And that's you know, slowly but surely I start doing more and more and more. I was just, I, because every time when I would add something, I would feel even better.
1: Hmm.
0: So it was like, what God says makes sense. It seems to be true. I tried it and it worked. Why would I not want more of that in my life?
2: That's it. And yeah. you know, and, and, and my addictive personality
0: is that <laughs> if I feel
2: good now, wait a minute, if I do more, like, <laughs> sure. you know, so see, sometimes an addictive personality can Where's help your you. Favorite? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah.
0: Now, how about for a lot of people, when they're journeying toward God or, or Jesus, um, there, there's emotional hurdles. Can I trust God? Why do you let this happen in my past? And there's intellectual hurdles, problem of evil, uh, does God really exist? What were some of your emotional hurdles or some of your intellectual hurdles as you were kind of moving in this faith journey?
2: Yeah, it's good that you say that because I, like, I hated it that I had the diseases and I hated it with the asthma and I hated everything. And now I understand it was given to me for a reason. Hmm. If I wouldn't have had that... I probably wouldn't have been doing this interview with you right now.
0: Mm.
2: I would have had a completely different career path. Yeah. Somehow, fighting, and I know it's not very religious-like, but for us, it's just shooting hoops. I mean, mm-hmm. it's literally testing our skills. I don't yeah. want any harm to overcome. Like I, I broke a guy's bone by accident one time during a fight. I was, I was freaking out. I went to the hospital. I, I, it, was, it really hurt me. You know, you don't want that. You know, That's yeah. what you're know, doing. it. So, yeah, that was the... The path, he set me on that path. And mm. once you start thinking back at all the crazy things, uh, accidents I had, and where I come out scratched with a scratch. Mm. Like, I mean, flying over Crashberry with a, with a car, no roof, no seatbelt. Yeah. Why did we stay in the car? We're landing upside down in the water. My friend was bouncing through the car in slow motion, you see, by grabbing my thing, I was just focusing. And then in the water, I had to kick the windows out, wow. the water, out, pull him out. I mean, the steering wheel was like this in the car. Like, we were shot in the spin. I just bent the whole no. steering wheel. And I had nothing, Mm. you know. And then I have so many stories like that when something Mm. really bad happened. I fell out of a tree one time, such a high tree. And I hit the last branch, a thick branch. I fall with my butt on the branch. Mm. And I'm literally, I'm I'm 20 feet high. And I land like this on the ground. Wow. It broke perfectly in such a way and had a big branch like behind me. It was almost like he just put me down. There you go. Wow. And, you know, you start thinking about all these moments, and there yeah. were a lot of these moments, you know. My guardian angel right now is sipping Peter Galatas. I know that <laughs> <laughs> at that time. Yeah,
0: it was different. Oh, that's funny. Now, how about um, your, uh, the easiest part for you of moving from uh, <coughs> Jesus now to I want this to be part of my life. So it was the easiest part. I've often heard people say that God's will is easier to see in the rearview mirror than it is the windshield. It's hard to know exactly where he's going, but you look back, you start seeing this miraculous help, you see the tree, you see this kind of supernatural openness through this kind of weird ghost story. Um, What was the easiest part for you of beginning to incorporate faith into your life as somebody who wasn't religious and wasn't really into religion?
2: You know what helped a lot was my wife as well. My wife said, I don't need to go to church. She always said that. I'm a good person. I know there's something. I know there's a God. But I, I don't need to do anything. And once I started, uh, I became... She, she first thought it was, oh, that's my ADHD again. I'm going yeah. to be six weeks. I'm going to be very invested. he's going to stay away because I did it a hundred things. Right. But this has got more and more and more. And she saw the change and the kids saw the change and everybody started seeing the change. And then when I came home one day and I told her, I said, hey, uh, I want to marry you again because we got married twice already. Uh, it's a long explanation, but all good, don't worry. And um, I said, but this time for the Catholic Church. And, uh, and she said, I don't think she even said yes. It was just affirmed, really weird. And the next day it was Monday. And I tried to get a hold of her and it was around noon. And she didn't pick up. Then at noon 45, she calls me back. She says, oh, you called? I said, where were you? She said, oh, I was at Mass. And I go, whoa, whoa, what? You at Mass? Yeah, because I was baptized. I didn't do confirmation. So I went to Mass and I just signed up for RCIA classes. And that for me was like, that was the woman who said, I never have to go to church, never have to do. And instantly she saw the change, she saw everything. She did that without even me asking. I thought maybe mm. it was
0: going to be a struggle to, you know, mm. to convince her again And you think full on. You think it's because she was seeing real changes in your life? That's She's it. Like, kind of like you saw in Kevin. I want some of that. She's like, I don't know what that is, but that's real. And, of course, our spouses know what's real and what's not real, right, because yeah. they live with this. And then, uh-huh. and
2: then she started talking about her grandmother. And the grandmother was always on a rosary, you know, always on these things, you know. And, and she said, man, my, my grandmother, because her grandmother met me before, I was married before. Mm. Well, that it <laughs> didn't go well they get over well you know yeah. so but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's really happy right now <laughs> because oh, I'm, oh. I have to say I'm much you listen you never solitate because at the moment you think you do everything perfect that's where mistakes happen of course but I'm really I, I would say so much toned down to what I have and I've never been a bad guy all the damage I do is to myself mm. you know drinking drugs like all the crazy stuff that I used to do yeah. Uh so I don't try to involve other people, but still, mm-hmm. we're all the same, you know? If I hurt myself, I'm kind of hurting everybody around me, so sure. that's the way you have to see it. And Jesus, you know, you've got to unwillingly participate since he's always with you yeah, sure. in, in whatever bad things you are doing. And that, you know, that's another line. I go, okay, mm,
0: I don't want that. Yeah. That's not good. And you said you weren't really a big reader up until this point. You get serious about God, get serious about Jesus, and now you kind of create this uh, spiritual appetite for uh, literature that helps you understand the Bible. So tell me what that looks like in a, in a kind of a... How did that start, and what does it look like in your daily routines? You know, I start my day, like this morning. I do it everywhere.
2: I, you know, I started about six years ago at this. And, uh, and then people ask, how many times you missed? I said never. I always do it.
0: Well, if you miss, you just do that. Right? Do rubber band. exactly.
2: <laughs> That's the thing with me. But my, you know, with my ADHD, I have to have habits. And I cannot break those habits, because otherwise I shoot everywhere. So once I apply that to the faith... That was, uh, that was pretty easy for me. So then I started, you know, reading about that. And I would like to know the saints. Who were the saints, you know? Because they did a lot of phenomenal work. So every day I read about a saint. Uh, the about a, a saint, about a saint of the day. Oh, saint, okay. The saint of the day. I do the daily readings every day. Then I do the reflections of those. Then I do the Intimacy, which is a really thick book 365 pages, because every day is... A piece to read. And most of the time, it really speaks at you. It's like the Gospels, you yeah. know, but it's more explained, you know, a little dumbed it down because there's so much hidden in sure. the Gospels. And this is like more straightforward, but it's a
0: really good book. And, and you shared one of those with me yesterday, and it was like a little piece of scripture from the Bible yeah. and a little explanation to help you understand it. And so that's part, and then maybe a little prayer, I think was in there, right? Or something yeah. like, so yeah, that's kind of your daily routine is pray, Read the Bible, understand the Bible a little bit, and get get that kind of working in your in your heart and in that's your it. life. That's it. I do a rosy, and the rosary I do while I'm stretching,
2: you yep. know. Uh, so I, every day, same thing. And and I have to do this now. And then I do the uh, examination of conscience. I do that every evening, you hmm. know. So I'm I'm going outside. I sit somewhere quiet. And uh, oh, that's another thing. I can show you the video later. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the examination of conscience in the middle of the night, like ten o'clock at night. And I'm uh, focusing, so I go over the day. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What can I do uh, the wrong things? How can I make sure that won't happen again? The good things, can I make it better? Maybe we can make it better, you know? So, yeah, sure. so once you start doing that, you know, it makes you conscious of every decision that you're about to make. It helps me a lot. One day I leave, I go inside. I go to my honey and say, I'm going to go to sleep by the way, I'm tired. And she's five minutes later, she says, you gotta come. I said, no, I'm good, I'm asleep. And she says, you really wanna come right now. And we come over and there's a mountain lion in our backyard. A mountain lion? A mountain lion. A giant mountain lion. I showed the video in a bit and uh, because I have security cameras. And I go, where did it come from? And where I was sitting, five minutes later, he came walking that same path. Wow. He walked down. I go, whoa. <laughs> now, maybe he would have said that he smelled a human and he won't even come, you know? It's yeah, very right. possible. <laughs> but <laughs> if you see the size of the wow. thing, you go, yeah, very weird. So, you see, those are the things, are weird things, that, that every time they happen at a certain way. I have a tile behind me where I always sit, It's a wall where water comes down, and it wasn't mm. a, was an, an, a Catholic tile, but a saint on it. Yeah. I didn't know who the saint was. And then after, like, two years I'm in, I go, you know what? I should see what a saint this is. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I'll ask tomorrow. So, I'm sitting there, and I'm, uh, oh, no, that day I asked, uh, Leo, I sent a picture. He says, oh, it's St. Ress. St. Therese. Okay, St. Therese. And I'm sitting there, so now it's uh, evening, and it's late in the evening. It's just before midnight. And I, I, did, I just did all my prayers. And I'm looking back, and I see St. Therese. I said, maybe I should read about her. So I go on my phone. I start Googling St. Therese. And I go, okay. It was September 30th when I did the prayer, in October 1. September 30, she passed away. October 1st was her feast day. Hmm. And I go like... What are the chances? Yes, sure, the chances are 1 in 365, right? Right. But I mean, to sit there at that time, just moments over, the cross is over, and that I decide, hey, maybe I should read about it now on that day, you see? So that's why she's also one of my favorites. Yeah, and that's what
0: Christians sometimes talk about, the Holy Spirit prompting you. (coughs) Some people might call it (coughs) their conscience or inner nudging, but that God's prompting you to to do something, uh, confession, meditation, thinking about your life, all those things are kind of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Well, how about a lot of people might say, "Hey, I'm too busy to pray, read the Bible." You've said almost like you're too busy not to pray. That that time you give, reorient your whole day. So, like, if you were to maybe those of us who've never tried this before, how does taking time to pray, read the Bible, reflect really help you have a better day?
2: So that that really started with a bunch of years ago. I did the Exodus 90. I don't know if you heard about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's 90 days. It's like Lent. On steroids. Okay. You know, I mean, only cold showers. You have to work out every day, which what, that was an easy one for me. But no TV. There's no, uh, if you listen to music, only music that lifts the soul to God. You can be on your phone, only for your job. You can be on your computer, only for your job. Wow. Three meals a day. Two days are fasting days. I mean, no sugar, no alcohol, no, anything that you want. You can break that one of the rules. It's, let's say I like a beer. Yeah. Once a week on Sunday, I can drink one beer. Okay. Or I say, instead of the beer, I watch a TV show.
0: Yeah.
2: For the rest, I can't do anything. So now suddenly I go, what do I do? <laughs> right. I start reading. Huh. You start learning things. Huh. And then I realized that I was wasting so much time on TV and on, and, and, mm-hmm. and on Internet and just stupid surfing and doing all that crazy stuff Suddenly I got all that free time. And now I study all the time for all the prayers, for everything. Yeah. I wake up early. I wake up at 5. And then I do all prayers to 10 to 6, to 6 o'clock. And then at 6, I'm already in the gym. Mm. I work out my lungs first, the breathing most for the lungs. Then I do a whole workout. I, In the meanwhile, I already set, turn on the, the sauna, go mm. to the sauna, do the rosary in the sauna while I'm stretching. Yeah. I go mm. home at 7.30 at home. And I had already had a mm. really great start of the day. And that yeah. just makes me... Feel good. It's, I, mm-hmm. it, I I won't even know how it feels if I don't do it because, no, like sure. I said, I
0: never missed it. Wow. You know, a lot of people, I think, um, besides feeling too busy, also feel like if I get serious about Jesus, I'm going to lose my edge. I'm going to become some weird version of myself. Yeah. I'm going to go to some missionary place somewhere. How did you wrestle with <coughs> pardon me, the idea of getting serious about Jesus yep. is going to make me a weird version of myself because there's plenty of weird Christians um, versus the best version of myself? So, how did you wrestle with that and how is Jesus making you the best version of you?
2: Yeah, so first of all, you think, yeah, as an outsider, so why would I want to join that? Right? I mean, sure. they're boring. Mm-hmm. Praying all day long, that's what we think. Yeah. They're praying all day long, they do this, they can't do this, I cannot choose profanity, I cannot drink, I can have sex whatever, I want, I can't all do that stuff. Come on, why, yeah. I, why would I do that? So, once you get your life in order, you realized, well, this is the way you should live. Mm. You know? So, uh, give me the last question you said because I missed uh, how how I relate to this because that's what I'm doing this is how it makes me the best version of myself I actually talked to Matthew Kelly uh, who uh, who coined that phrase um yeah, it does because you, you, you know that you want to be the person like a Kevin. And like the people you see around you who are, who are having the life in mm-hmm. order. So, and it's like you said, how can I be the best version of myself? And then once you realize what you do wrong, once people see what they do wrong. Every time when I talk to a student and they don't believe in, in the Lord, and I say, you don't have to believe in it. But I just start telling them. I say, why would you use profanity? Give me a reason, hmm. you know. And I talk to them, uh, they see somebody overweight and they make a comment. And I say, why would you say that? You know, the, what is a question that I use my, ask myself every time? Before I want to do something, actually, yeah. or whatever, do something, I tell myself, is this what I'm about to do is going to make me smarter, mentally stronger, mm. or bring me closer to God? Well, closer to God should be the first one. But if you talk yeah, to sure. an atheist, that, that won't work. <laughs> sure, so sure, I sure. always put it, I leave it out with the atheist. Yeah. But is it saying, that? oh, look, that, that looks stupid. Yeah. Did that just make you smarter or mentally yeah. stronger? No. So why would you say that? Mm. And we do this a lot, even thinking... Sure. You know, if I would think, oh, look at this person, you know, like completely obnoxious, crazy person. But now immediately, because before it was the rubber
0: band. That's right.
2: And now I see the person, I I say, oh, look at this girl. No, 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 no. And that's in my mind. Sure. You see, so I don't even say it anymore, but it's sometimes in my mind, mind, but I cut it off immediately. So that's what I want. I want to be the guy, a man who can overcome his weaknesses, vices, and imperfections. A guy who is not a slave to his passions and desires, but a guy who is in control of himself. Yeah. That, to me, is a real man. And if you can be that real man, if everybody would do that, we wouldn't be in the trouble we're <laughs> in right now. That's yeah. literally it.
0: Well, and even that, the main message of the Bible, the main message of the Bible is we don't live up to our own standards, yeah. right, let alone God. So I'll tell you, you shouldn't judge me, but I judge somebody else. You shouldn't yeah. gossip, but I gossip. You shouldn't be unkind, but I'm unkind. So we don't live up to our own standards, as yeah. the Bible calls sin, let alone God's standards. Yeah. So Jesus had to come, die for all of that, and when you accept him into your life... He comes and says, "Hey, you know what? I've forgiven you. I want to help you kind of reorder your life so that you experience the best kind of version of yourself, not kind of this chaotic version of yourself that you've had."
2: And that's it, you know. And if you felt the experience that I had with the spirit, it's—I'm not scared a lot in my life, you know. And don't get me wrong; if a barrel's in the house, I'll be scared, Uh you know. But that was really scary—the physical, and then the thinking—where you're going to go. Yeah. We don't understand. We're, our foresight is completely shut. It's like we, our lives on earth here are one less than one blink of an eye yeah. compared to where we're going. going sure. But we're all doing feeding our egos and feeding everything that we want. Now, 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 yeah. now, now. But you're yeah. going to go somewhere forever. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. You want
2: to go there? You want to go there. And I go, clean up your life. You don't see that. I don't understand it that some people... Don't see it. How can you be? It's like with the fighters. Some fighters, they, they, got a, a, they fight in Japan against a superstar, and these guys are not, you're not up his level. They use you. They use you so that they, that's an easy opponent for him. And mm. said, if you're going to lose horrible, that's it. Yes, they're going to give you $50,000 now, and you normally get $1,500. And they only think about this, this yeah. moment, this moment. Yeah. They get knocked out, and now they will never be back in Japan. Mm. Because, and you see? And then they lost mm. all the, Over the long mm. run, you lost all the money. And that's gotcha. the same with this also. If you don't clean it up now, over the long run, yeah. you're going to be in trouble if you
0: don't. Sure. So clean it up. Well. Wow. Last question, and then we're out of time. Um, You kind of, because of your bullying growing up, became a fighter. You see yourself as a fighter. You see your kind of persona of, you know, being a man's man and overcoming things in your life. Um, So how did, how were you able to still be who you were? A fighter, an accomplisher, a goal setter, and allow God to be part of that? How did those two worlds come together?
2: Uh, Again, God set me up there as well, I think, um... First of all, I started a gym, and, and, and thankfully I had a show on TV, and I did, I did really well there, but my diseases also gave me an idea to come up with a training device, a lung training device, which what I thought at the time it was, but it's a long story. Anyway, I was 14 years old, and I realized that after, after every asthma attack I had for a week, and I would resume my track and field because I was high-level track and field at that time, uh, needless to say, my asthma, my running times were always the worst. The 400, 800, and the 1500 meters uh, it sucked, so... But I would always break my running times afterwards. But you see, then I came up with an invention. I made it 11 years ago. In three weeks, using it myself, my asthma is cleared. I had asthma my entire life. Every fight, I used an inhaler. I always wore an, in- an inhaler yeah. with me. You see, so i am always been fortunate. God gave me that, not only to fight apparently, but also to come up with a long training device that now is bought by pulmonologists. Yeah. You know? and, and we have 100% success rate. Like people go, this is crazy. This is out yeah. of control. You see, so again, that's another thing that was planted right there, and I yeah. suddenly, but surely, I start making it, and that's what I do right now. And, and there's so many people be helped, PTSD, anxiety. If you really think about, it's all breathing. Everybody yeah. breathes wrong. You know, we were talking about it yesterday. Yeah. You know, you can bre- you can take up to five times the amount of air that you can have. Yeah. I mean, maximize everything you have, yeah. and because ninety-five percent of us is breathing wrong. I was breathing wrong. You might roll down the fight. You see me <gasps> breathing like that. That is completely gone. So. Sure. That was another gift he gave to me, and thankfully I listened, and then 10, 11 years ago, I said, oh, I'm gonna make it. And that's where my focus is right now. And I also realized that everything in life is the same. You're not gonna come up here without uh, preparation, right? There's always a form of preparation. The most you prepare, the more relaxed you're going to be. And that's with Mm -hmm. fighting, but that's with every other profession as well. And I just applied those rules that I used in fighting, do every other thing right. that I'm doing. Oh, boss, right. but you're so good with the acting. Dude, I don't have a great memory. I just work harder than you. I mm. can't say, I'm hammering it in the whole mm. time, mm. you know, but it's hard work, which again, God started me with. Yeah. Because I had asthma. I had the biggest room in the house, which I wanted. Asthma attack, I have to go to the restroom. Oh, that's 45 minutes an hour. Mm. Because you take two steps down, have to sit. Sure. <laughs> right, yeah. Two steps down. To, <laughs> and all the way down, they have to do your business. They have to go back up, which is harder. So, you know, yeah. but it's mental preparation. There was mm. all, don't worry, you're going to need this later in life. Gotcha. You're going to be able to push harder than everybody else just because, mm. because of this. So once you know all that, you start treating everything like that. Gotcha. And then everything becomes a pleasure because if something bad happens, well, God put it there for a reason, mm. right? right? So let's fix this problem because he, he puts it there to make me better. Okay. So let's just fight it and let's help, embrace it. And yeah, the,
0: in fact, there's a great verse that summarizes that in the book of Romans. that says, you know, God works all things together for good to those who love him. Yeah. And so you can say, I don't like this thing. I didn't prefer this thing. But I know God will use this thing to accomplish his purpose in my life. And,
2: and because he puts it there, don't wipe it off. Wave it off. That's right. Face your problems. So mm-hmm. they're not problems anymore. Yeah. That's what we don't do nowadays. We take a pill for everything. Heartburn, yeah. heart rate, blood pressure, cholesterol, blah, blah, blah. No. Your body mm. is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, right? Mm-hmm. Who you have from God. You're not your own, is what they yeah. say, for you were bought with the price. Yeah. So glorify God in your body. Does that mean you can drink whatever you want, you can eat whatever No, mm. it doesn't say that. Mm. It means respect your body. Yeah. It's a gift. It's like somebody gives you a car, and then a month later he comes and dances in the car, and it's not clean on the inside. Yeah. What do you think he's going to think? This, yeah. you, know, you didn't,
1: you Take didn't care embrace you.
2: his gift. Yeah. And that's God. God gave us that gift. So don't make him like the guy who gave the car. He goes, like, dude, he's beating me up the gift right, sure. that I gave him. Keep
0: it clean. Be nice. Yeah. Well, guys, I don't know where you're at in your journey. Maybe you're where, uh, where Boss was years ago where you're, you haven't never heard about some of the arguments for God and he's existed. Or or maybe you're struggling with something. You're like, well, I'd like something that somebody else has. And you've been coming to Horizon or watching online because you've met a Christian who has some peace or some hope or some Uh, ...humility in their marriage that you're like, I'd like some of that or need some of that. But we're a place where you can explore. Horizon is yours to explore, and we bring in uh, folks and hear their stories uh, just to thank uh, God for the way he works in our lives. I want to pray, and then let's give a a big thanks to Boss after we pray. Can we do that? let's pray together. Father, each person here is going through some challenges... As they look back in their life, there's been some incredible moments of, uh, of rescue, incredible moments of, of deliverance or maybe where their life was on the line and they got rescued or, or ways in which you use bad stuff to produce good stuff. But Father, I ask that today would be the day that uh, we each begin to become very serious about exploring you, exploring the possibility that your son came to earth to die for us and to live in us that we can live the most purpose-filled life that you designed for us and we can prepare not just for this life but for eternity. Thank you for each person here for their journey and ask them to find strength in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank Boss for being here today? Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We will see you all next week for our series. Thanks for being here today.